Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. This is going to be the first verse-by-verse edition of 2020. Seems like forever since we've had good old Rick Maynard on the podcast, but we welcome him back. Rick, Happy New Year to you. I hope I haven't forgotten how to do this. Yeah, you you should be ready to go. It's been a couple weeks. You had Christmas, you had New Year's, so we are expecting, as always, great and greater things from you. Right. Well, don't, ex- don't expect too much. Yeah, I want, so <laughs> I don't want to let you down. Yeah, so for those of you that listen to the Grace One Daily Podcast, we exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. We have different guests, different interviews throughout the podcast. So check it out, like, share, and subscribe. Hope that it ministers to you and you join us for the journey of 2020 on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Go back to some of the old archives. We have 120-some episodes of goodness for you. So on this particular verse-by-verse edition, that's what we do. We go verse-by-verse through the Word of God. So, Rick, give us some direction. Tell us where we're at, and let's dive into it. Okay. We are still in Chapter 8. It's kind of a long chapter, so it's taken us a while to get through there. But we're we're coming to the end here a little bit. But uh, So we're in 850 and 51. And if you've been following along, um, you know that Solomon has had this prayer of dedication for the temple. So this is just a, a continuation, really, of that prayer. So it says, and forgive your people who have sinned against you, forgive all the offenses they have committed against you, and cause their conquerors to show them mercy, for they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt, out of that iron-smelting furnace. Uh, And, uh, you know, the first question people, and again, sometimes people are just being critical when they, well, what does it say about this, and what does it say about that, but... You know, it's Solomon asking for forgiveness for people. Well, you can't ask forgiveness for someone else's sins. That's not the issue. Uh, Solomon didn't have, you know, he was a great man and a great man of wisdom, but he didn't have the power to ask forgiveness for someone else. You know, we can wish for that and wish that people come to repentance and those kind of things. But we all know, uh, we don't have to, you know, belabor that, but uh, we all know that people don't... um, They don't depend on somebody else or they can't depend on somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's all about us. And uh, and then it's, you know, it's more of a statement of fact, you know, please forgive their sins. I mean, when they come to you, uh, it's coming to an agreement with what we know God wants to do. And that's what a lot of our prayers are. They're not that we're trying to twist God's arm or do anything. We're just coming to agreement. And, And this, when it talks about out of Egypt, out of the iron smelting pot, Uh, Let me just read this. It says, Jewish people were purified and strengthened by their suffering there, just as iron is purified and strengthened by intense heat in the smelting pot. And, you know, I thought of that. It's one of those things they were being purified. They, You know, it was for their benefit to go through what they went through in Egypt. Uh, We know it didn't work perfectly because they rebelled and all of those kind of things. But, you know, we all want to be pure and we all want to be purified but I don't know how many people want to go through the smelting pot, <laughs> you know, through the furnace. Um, I, you know, we say that sometimes, well, I know I'm going to be better after this trial in my life. I'm going to serve God better. I, there's something I can learn out of this, but I don't care how many times when I'm sick, when I'm hurting, when things are not going right, I want out. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm not, uh, I know we should be thankful for some of those times. And I look back on the times that I've been through that furnace Mm-hmm. And I see the things that I've learned, and but it still doesn't make any difference. The next time something happens, I want out. You know, Lord, help me. I don't know how many times I've prayed. That's my most common prayer. <laughs> Lord, help me. Lord, yes. help me. 
So verse 52. May Psalms your, just said that quite often. Deliver me. Yeah, help me. <laughs> right. Help me, Lord. May your eyes be open to your servant's plea and to the plea of your people Israel, and may you listen to them whenever they cry out to you. In other words, again, same thing. He's just coming to an agreement. Uh, it's a it's more of a blessing anytime it says uh, may at the beginning of something that's usually you know may his face shine upon you may this happen may this blessing uh, come on you so that word may usually precedes a blessing so um, and not just listen to any plea when it's it says may your eyes be open to your servant's plea and to the plea of your people it's not just anything Lord you know give give us and give your people whatever they want you know and that's again prosperity teaching whatever you want whatever mm-hmm. you <laughs> desire is yours and you know if it's a new car if it's a tesla you know claim cyber it. truck yeah cyber truck just claim it <laughs> it's yours so okay so it's not just any plea uh we we can cry out for the wrong things right and it's i think you said it several times when we were coming into this time of fasting and prayer uh lord i'm praying that you teach me how to pray mm-hmm. tell me how to pray Yep. You know, what? what's on your heart at this time? What do you want me to pray? And and I've always said the part of the, well, we always say, you know, the, the bad sayings that we've had in church. Well, one of them is we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, <laughs> the bad ones. But the the one of the hardest things to speak in our prayers is thy will be done. Because we know that his will is not always going to be comfortable for us. You know, we think, well, if he has his will, we're just going to be so happy, yep. you know, so content because we're in God's will. You know, it may be God's will to send us through something, through the through the furnace. You know, I'll bet those yeah. people in Egypt many times <laughs> wanted out. They weren't looking at deliverance. They just wanted out now. They weren't, they didn't want to wait. So verse 53, for you singled them out from all the nations of the world to be your own inheritance, just as you declared through your servant Moses, when you, O sovereign Lord, brought our fathers out of Egypt. So he just keeps referring to Egypt because that was a um, yeah. defining defining time for the Israelites. So it's one of our big Bible stories. Movies have been made about it, you know, the, the deliverance from Egypt. And it's it's talking about the people of Israel here. And, and there were, you know, people don't talk about it, but there were Egyptians who left with the Israelites. Now, they weren't protected from the plagues, and so all of this is talking about the blessings of the Israelites because they are his people. But there were there were Egyptian people who left with the Israelites. It was mm-hmm. like anyone who will follow, who won out of this bondage or whatever, uh, there were uh, Egyptians who accepted their God, who began to believe yeah. in their God that left with them. And I don't have a scripture reference for that right here, but there are scripture references for that. Uh, that there were actually some of those who left. Yeah, and that's a good point regarding that that constant reference to Egypt. And I would just say this, that I truly believe that every generation, our obedience mm-hmm. to God is significant to the progression of his kingdom and his will on planet Earth. You know, right. that was a significant moment to keep progressing towards that which was to come. You know, if, if they would have stayed in slavery, that would have hindered everything that would happen in the future. So all, uh, even now, I know the Bible's closed. It's, it's done being written, but we're still living out as the people of God, his obedience and his will. And our generation, every generation uh, requires and needs to walk in obedience because that progresses 
the kingdom forward, progresses God's will and advances it on the earth. So we play a big part in what God, you know, that's well, that's what we see in the story as you know, our local church here, we're getting to the story. We're important to the story, right? We're important characters to the story are, I mean, yes, God's will will be done, but we do get to play a very significant part in it. Right. And that whole, the whole issue of bondage and slavery. I mean, even, you know, we've done the Passover supper here. There are a lot of uh, scripture references in the Passover supper for coming out of Egypt because it was the Passover, you know, the, the blood on the doorpost, I will pass over, you know, uh, that's where that all came from. And so, you know, and we look at this word, it says uh, the word inheritance. And, you know, most of us, if, if we hear that word, you know, our ears kind of perk up like, you know, I'm going to get something mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm going to get some money or I'm going to get some jewelry or a, a car or a house or, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, if you read this scripture, it says we are his inheritance that and, it, you know, mm. it's like, man, he got a raw deal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but really. If you look at that, an inheritance is generally a valued thing. Now, I know there's some people who are just plain selfish and they just want dad's money or, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. But there are things that were personal to those people that really matter when you inherit mm-hmm. something. And so it's, it speaks to calling us God's inheritance is pretty significant, yeah. something special to him, not something that he just the, you know, the leftover thing that nobody else wanted in other words. And so, um, we are the inheritance and, and this verse is the, it's the end of the prayer. He still goes on with a kind of a blessing, but it's the end of a prayer because it says in, in uh, 54, 55, when Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out toward heaven he stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice saying, and that'll go on to the next verse. And this just goes back. We won't rehash it, but it goes back to what we were talking about a, a few weeks ago about the blessing and spreading your hands towards the people. And uh, he'd been kneeling with his hands raised, you know, with his hands towards the people, praying over them, blessing them. And so this is uh, just really a continuation of that. But if you read through the prayer of Solomon, you know, we've been on this several weeks in this prayer and, you know, analyzing and looking at what he really meant and all those things. If you really read through it, it takes about five minutes. And it's, uh, you know, it speaks to the thought that we think our prayers have to be so long. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that prayer, Lord, <laughs> you're more me. spiritual that way. Right. You know, the longer you pray, the more spiritual, honestly, it's a prayer can be like a sermon, if you go too long, people start, you know, checking out a little bit. I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but we all have a certain level that we can, you know, take in so much information or whatever. And when you're just hearing someone pray, if they go for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, it's like, well, that's their prayer. That wasn't, it's not my prayer. That's, Mm -hmm. I don't want to just listen to someone pray all the time. I need to pray. But, um, and and so the ways of praying in in that time, um, the common person would bow at the beginning and the end of the blessing, and the beginning and end of the blessing of thanksgiving. The high priest would bow at the beginning of each blessing, but stand for the rest of it. And the king, who you would think would, you know, have the most uh, grace and mercy, uh, it says 
He was the most powerful but becomes the most humble. Once he bows, he's not permitted to get up until everything is finished. So it's a, it's a reference to uh, if, if you're giving a blessing in the church, you should be the most humble of all to be giving that blessing, to be, be pronouncing a blessing over someone. And so it's kind of the opposite of what you would think. You'd think the king is exempt but the king has greater requirements, and we've talked about that. And I, you know, we're going to start calling you King Jeremiah here. Bless if that's God. all right. But, <laughs> um, but that's I, I've said it. Many Kiss times. my signet ring right yeah, now. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, um, uh, but uh, but the the pastor is the only reference really to a pastor. The only comparison we can use Old Testament is the king, because. He was God's anointed. He was placed by God there to lead the people, not just military or whatever, but spiritually. I mean, his guidance, people went to him. People went to Solomon for uh, guidance, for counseling, for all of those kind of things. So really, if we're looking at references to the pastor, honestly, there's really more in the Old Testament than there is in the New Testament. Because the New Testament, I mean, it talks about the shepherd, you know, it talks about pastor being the shepherd, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it really doesn't give a lot of instruction in the uh, New Testament about the pastor and what he's supposed to do and what his requirements are. And those. So really, if you look for requirements, I would think the Old Testament king really is more of what God's position of placing somebody in that position. Yeah. And if we really believe it, we should have more honor and respect. Yep. If, you know, if the pastor's placed by man or is he placed by God, that's the, you know, people. Who and don't. on a side note, did you see on the news today that uh, Prince Harry and the Duchess, Meghan Markle, are wanting to relinquish oh, really? some no, of I their didn't. royal duties and powers so that they can have more freedom? Huh. Now, that's interesting. You <laughs> we'll would see what happens in that story. Most people love that. Yeah. You know, I've always said people take less money to be the boss, you know. If well, can, it sounds like there was a falling out, and uh, what's her, Queen Elizabeth? She's pretty hardcore, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds, kind of sounds like the church sometimes. But, uh, 56, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he has promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. And that's a great statement. Not yeah. one word has failed of all the good promises he gave and, you know, you could say, somebody could say, well, yeah, but that says to Moses. Well, the same God that was God over Moses is God over me. Yep. You know, his promises uh, don't fail. Um, and if you, if you go all the way back to Deuteronomy, it's talking about some of the things that are, are problems. But it says, since you have not reached the resting place and the inheritance the Lord your God is giving you. So it's talking about, you know, there are blessings, but you're not there yet. You haven't. You haven't seen that yet because everything hasn't come in in order yet. But now they have reached that place. They've the temple is established. Uh, you know Solomon is in in charge here. Things have happened like God said they were going to happen. Finally, it's come about. And so, uh, and then verse fifty seven says, "May the Lord our God be with us as He was with our fathers. May He never leave us or forsake us." And we've how many times have you, especially people who pray the King James prayers, you know, God never leaves us nor <laughs> nor forsakes us. You know, that's the old King James style here. But it is true. I mean, 
Uh, we say, people say, where was God? Where was God? Where was God? Well, if we believe the word, it says he never leaves us or forsakes us. Mm-hmm. We can leave. We yep. can go away. But, um, and and it's it's like, why pray may he never leave us or forsake us? Because he's already promised that. But, you know, so many of our prayers, if if we said, I don't need to pray that because God's already established that, we probably wouldn't pray very much. Right. Because... <laughs> I would, you know, once once I've prayed for the church, then I wouldn't need to pray again because, well, God's God's already mm-hmm. done that. So, and then once I've prayed for all my family and I've prayed for all the politicians and I've prayed for this and I've prayed for that, <laughs> once I've done all that, then I could say, well, I don't need to pray anymore. But some of it just has to do with with coming to an agreement of what God's wanting to do for a particular time. Yeah. And and it's just like this church, you know, I've been here a long time, but there are things that have been uh, uh, prophesied over this church that I haven't seen yet. And maybe I won't. Maybe in my lifetime I won't see that. But if God promised it, if it was spoken through people who were uh, who heard from God, and, and the problem, again, with <laughs> one of the problems with being in the church for so long is... Uh, discerning who has a real word from God and who, <laughs> yep. because, <laughs> right, yeah. you know, it would be very popular for every evangelist yes. to come to the church yeah. and say, I see this church being blessed in this city. I see the people mm-hmm. standing in line to get in the door, you know. Yeah. Well, man, people just... I see a new building. Right. I mean, people, <laughs> you know, fall for that. I mean, it's... Right. And I don't know that the the evangelist or whatever means it as a... But does he not realize that there are other evangelists and people, you know, coming here? And and if it's a word from God, man, yes. You know, yeah. I want that word, and I want to believe that word. But if it's somebody who's just trying to butter up the church, then, uh, you know, then it's a sad case. Right. And But you are going to get to see Carmen at Grace Point in I your am, lifetime. I am Praise in God. my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Unless... Something happens between, you know, if the Lord comes back between now and then. <laughs> That's right. Yep. I'll be really disappointed if the Lord comes back before I get to see Carmen. So, I did see him one time, though, so my, my life is full. All right. He's going to be better, though. He's going to be better yeah. tonight. Well, I'm anxious, but I'm probably not near as anxious as Pastor Rachel is. But well, and you guys are the same age, so you got, you'll have a lot to talk about yeah, right, together. Yeah, <laughs> right. We've been through all the same stuff. So, um, But anyway, you know, and I think there's... When it, when it says, may the Lord be with us as he was with our fathers, it's it's looking back. You know, I know different people. You have a different story with your dad than I have with my dad. My dad was a godly man. Now, I'm not going to say he didn't make any mistakes. I'm not going to say he didn't get mad and throw a hammer. Or, uh, you know, I learned that trait from him. I learned the trait of hammer throwing. When you're, <laughs> but, um, but my dad was a, a godly man. And one of the things that I learned from my dad, he wasn't... My dad was not a man to sit down and say, okay, son, I want to discuss this with you. I want to give you some good advice or whatever. But my dad lived a life that, you know, never heard him cuss, never heard him. He never drank. He never smoked. He never did anything, you know, that I would, him and my mom didn't yell and scream at each other. We went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every revival. You know, I did learn that from him. And people say, you know, if you make your kids go to church when they get older, they won't want to go. And that mm-hmm. may be true in some cases. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm the example that that's not the truth. Yep. Because I love the church 
and that was instilled in me and my parents. And so I have that blessing in my life. But, uh, you know, so you can look at, at, you can look back at what my father being, being blessed by what he has done and being blessed by what God has done. But the biggest uh, drawback or the biggest uh, hurt, I guess, to my faith or to people's faith is I know God did it before, but I don't know if he's going to do it this time. That's, that's one of the, the hardest faith statements or, or lack of faith, I suppose, more than. But, you know, you can say, um, I saw God heal someone. And you can say, man, that was, that was an awesome thing. But the next time you pray for somebody, you could say, well, I know God did it, you know, three years ago when we prayed for that guy, God healed him. But I don't know if God's going to do it this time. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes to your statement that what if? Yeah. What if? I know God did it, but what if He doesn't mm-hmm. do it this time? <laughs> yeah. And and we see that in all all areas. It doesn't mean God fails to be God, and God fails to be um, faithful to His promises. But it goes back to you know Thy will be done. Yeah. People, because of you, we were talking about Genesis last night, but because of sin. People are going to die, and people are going to die at all different ages and circumstances. And yeah. so, um, I, I know he's provided before, but I don't know if he'll do it this time. And that's a <laughs> that's a horrible. But I felt that. I mean, I'm, I'm public confession here, but mm-hmm. I have felt that in my life. I know God took care of me. I know that um, every house I've ever worked on has sold eventually. But I have a house for sale right now yeah. <laughs> that's not selling. Well, what if God doesn't, you know, what if it doesn't sell? What if, what if, what if? And so uh, those were good words coming from you. There, you, I mean, there you go. Carmen might want to buy it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, yeah, well, he's, he needs a second, you know, like just a place to hang out. Yeah, and, yeah. He can go to the precious will. moments. Uh. <laughs> well, once he meets us. He's probably he will want to move from. Mm-hmm. Is he in Tulsa now? <laughs> I don't know where he's at. I mean, but anyway, we don't want to tell his secrets yeah. where he lives anyway. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, ver- let's move on. Verse fifty-eight. Or I have his manager's cell phone number. I can give that out on the podcast. Yes. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and may these words of mine, which I've prayed before the Lord, I think this is fifty-nine. It's eight six seven five three zero nine. I think is what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I right. I've heard that number somewhere. We don't. Very few people are going to understand that. Out there, right. Okay. I'm getting distracted. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> and may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that He may uphold the cause of His servant and the cause of His people Israel according to each day's need. Um, our prayers, it says here, are near to the Lord our God. And Brother Henson that was here used to use the phrase, and I suppose it's biblical. I don't, I can't tell you where it is, but he would use the, the phrase, uh, when the heavens are brass. So, in other words, we would say in our terminology now, we would say when, uh, when our prayers feel like they don't go past the ceiling. And, you know, I've had those times. I've had really struggles in my life where it's like, I just can't pray it just feels like it's it just feels like words that don't mean anything mm-hmm. it feels like words that i'm speaking out into the air that god's must have turned away that day and doesn't really hear those things <laughs> um you know stella and i i'll, I'll just confess here but 
Stella and I last Friday night, and it it must have been just an attack on us. But last Friday night when we had the service, um, it was a horrible night for us. Mm. I mean, both when I came down off the platform, I sat down next to her and I said, I feel awful. And it was just, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, I mean, I, it probably wasn't. I mean, it was, we yeah. were in fasting and prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, it, it wasn't necessarily like going home complaining like, oh, I don't know why they did it like this. And I don't know why. They, it wasn't that. It was just... And then I even felt like I was like, "Is it a? Is it the whole congregation? Is it? Is it one of those? What you call it, like a dead night, or you know, is it? Is it an attack on everyone? Is it us? And for both of us at the same time, which is weird, because nothing had happened that day that you know that would like put me in a bad mood, or mm-hmm. you know, Stella and I didn't have a big knockdown drag out before we came to church and then try to worship the Lord." There was nothing like that, but it was just a deadness. And Stella described it as, I, f- I felt nothing. I wasn't mad. I wasn't happy. I wasn't. Mm. It was like there was just nothing. And we went home so discouraged mm. Friday night. And so I was sharing that in, in uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning. We were talking about some things, and, and I shared that, and uh, Donna Lynn was sitting there. She just had this big smile on her face. I thought she was going to say, you know, that's really funny because we, we just felt the same thing. <laughs> but she said, it, that is so funny because she said it was so awesome Friday night. <laughs> and I talked Uh-oh. to Ken. You I were at the negative church. Yes, <laughs> I was. Well, I was talking about the fact, and not necessarily in that case, but I was talking about the fact that um, one person in a, in a negative attitude can ruin mm-hmm. the atmosphere. And it's like, man, I hope that's not the, yeah. I hope it's not coming from me, <laughs> yeah. in other words, out. But Donna was like, man, we were so, it was so awesome. I was so mm. blessed. And I talked to Kelly and Belinda because I thought, well, surely they'll support us. <laughs> no. But they said, man, I, really, I thought Friday night was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I don't know what it was. Yeah. But well, and I, I wouldn't say specifically Friday night, but me engaging in the new year, having some family issues right. regarding my dad, it was like, man, my first four days were like, this is so horrible. Right. Uh, all my intentions of, of fa- I did fast and pray, uh, it, but that got messed up and my mm-hmm. scheduling and uh, just frustration, emotions from events in regards right. to family issues. I was like, this is horrible, but you know, I do, uh, I, pre- I prep myself for that. You know, mm-hmm. um, when I go into a new year, I always, I'm not trying to, I'm thinking with great faith, but I'm thinking through realistic vision from, right. uh, from the word of God, from right. what God, what I've seen through God's people. It's not all rainbows and butterflies mm-hmm. and unicorns and right. happiness. There, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a, a fight, uh, in the midst of that. Cause we are still battling. So I, I still, again, you talked about this emotion. It doesn't make it easier to go through or to process. Right. But when they do come, I do believe I at least have a little bit of a stronger maturity in my faith now to say, okay, mm-hmm. this is this is stuff that's going to happen. Right. So let me grab hold of this and, and let me take from mm-hmm. this event some spiritual truth or, right. or reality, which, again, I talked about the other day, the power of the, uh, of the name of Jesus. That right. I was able to, in that 
scenario with my dad, power of attorney and things. Right. I, it, it drew me close to the power of the name of Jesus right. and how I could be like, okay, Lord, what I'm taking away from this is obviously that all this kind of exterior stuff really stinks right now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not enjoying that, but it's helping me draw closer right. to you in, in this aspect and right. characteristic of who you are, right. which helps me. And the whole, uh, you know, the whole issue for, for myself or for anyone else who struggles at different times like that is just to know that, you know, tomorrow's going to be a better day. You know, yeah. this is not the norm, and this is not something that's going to cause me to say, I'm not going back to church again. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you know? I was going to say that's the that's the real negative, is it really th- those types of moments really can go either way. It, mm-hmm. can, it can really make people do some dumb stuff. Right. You know, that's the kind of thing someone could... That that just one night like that, they could say, well, I, you know, I think I'm going to go to another church or mm-hmm. or, you know, really it diminishes their faith or, you know, right. it, it can really create them to do create disunity. Right. Like you just said, all of a sudden you can be the person who now just because you had one bad day in church. Mm-hmm. Now you're trying to convince everyone else. Right. Right of the feeling that you're feeling, not that you can't talk to someone else, but you might need to use a level of maturity or wisdom in that because you could be expressing, you could be heaping something on someone else that, Mm -hmm. that they don't need to, or maybe have the ability to process correctly. You know, so very interesting times when we go through those. And I, and somebody, um, Donna Lynn said, made the statement. She said, really, you know, she was surprised that I felt that way, that we felt that way on Friday night. She said, I, I said, but then Saturday night, we just thought it was awesome and everything was kind of <laughs> like back to normal, if you would. Uh-huh. And she was like, isn't that strange? Because she said, Saturday night, I struggled. She mm-hmm. said, things that happened during the day and stuff made Saturday night harder. So, you know, and I think it's a good idea to keep that in mind because there are people who come into the congregation every day who are struggling with something. Mm-hmm. And we have expectations of yeah. other Christians. Well, yeah. They, you should act this way. You should worship. You should shout. You should sing. You should whatever, you know, the things that we're doing. Well, you should participate in that. You know, why are you not? Well, you just don't know. Yeah. What, you know, even for us, there was nothing that happened. But in your case, you know, had you not shared the experience with your dad that night and you'd have been really down, people could have said, boy, you know, Pastor Jeremiah, he sure didn't do a very good job tonight. He sure was, you know, he sure act like he was mad at the world or, or something. You know, if people would have said that instead of saying, man, I wonder what's going on, you know, because that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. But we, we pick at people because I heard somebody one time, um, one of the pastors, evangelists, whatever, said he was really into um, the praise that, you know, that should be exuberant praise with mm-hmm, everyone. Right. <laughs> and um, somebody made the statement because the pastor said, worship, come on, people, worship, worship. Yeah, right. You know, it was just really. <laughs> and he was one of these guys with a very mild temperament who he said, I thought I was. I mean, he made that statement mm-hmm. to me later. I thought I was worshiping. Yeah. You know, in his eyes, his quietness, his his praise, prayer, whatever it was he was doing, that was worship mm-hmm. to him. So it was an offense really to him that somebody would think that you know me because you saw me shout louder than mm-hmm. somebody else or like that really means that I'm spiritual or am I, you know, there's people who shout 
to for show in other mm-hmm. words and so so i just think you know it just goes back and we'll wrap this up but yeah and i was just going to say that i think one of the greatest simplified truths i've learned in terms of spiritual living is faith is not a feeling Right. You know, faith is not a feeling. We are, especially because I fall within the framework of the Pentecostal category, mm-hmm. charismatic category, which is uh, more exuberant or on right. the emotional or physical side. And you just deal with people that, you know, if I lived my spiritual life based on my feelings, I would, it would really right. be a disaster. My personal relationships, my relationships with leadership teams, staff, right. deacons, Church people would be a disaster. I mean, if if I operated and made decisions on feelings, and then most importantly, my relationship with God, it'd be a disaster. And right. but people are literally doing that, and it, it's very uh, diminishing and creates a negative effect on your spiritual life. Right? Don't do that. So I wake up. It's a good, that that's how I always joke people, especially in Utah. I would say this. I'm like. Don't tell me I'm not really I'm not really that interested if you thought service was good or bad today. Right. Because what right. does that have to do with anything? Right. Really. I mean, great. You like my sermon. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Pat me on the back. I That's going to that, that'll do something for me, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really do anything for really for your relationship with God. Right. right. <laughs> you know, and I appreciate it. I'm not saying don't do it because yeah, then no. people are like, oh, don't say it to Pastor Mike. Yeah. <laughs> He'll get mad. Oh, no. No, I'm just saying. Hey, I, that's not why I worship. Mm-hmm. That's not why I pray. That's not why I'm a Christian. That's not why I'm a minister. That's not why none my feelings don't have anything to do with any of those. So mm-hmm. when I begin to understand that now, I know on my good days or my bad days, if, you know, oh man, the attendance was really good this Sunday mm-hmm. or whatever, those things, yeah, they are going to produce an emotional effect right. on me, but it's not the end all be all. Right, uh, right that becomes minimal and my spiritual pursuit becomes greater. Right. Let me, I'll read the the last, I want to read this verse again because it says, may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord be near to the Lord, our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people, Israel, according to each day's need. So it's talking about each day's need, you know, your prayers, this prayer for today is not the, the same prayer for tomorrow. And it says, I prayed, and it says, be near to the Lord our God day and night. Those prayers that I pray, they are near to the Lord God day and night. When we think he's not there, he doesn't listen, he doesn't care, this says the prayers are near to him day and night. We may not get the the answer that we want, but if we don't get the answer we want, it doesn't mean that the prayer wasn't heard and wasn't uh, near to him. And, and so... When, when we pray, we need to remember that he hears and he's there. And when people say, where was God? God was sitting right there. Jesus was sitting by the bed of the dying person. Jesus was in the vehicle with the person killed in the car accident. I, we say, well, if he was there, why didn't he, why didn't he change things? I, none of us can answer those questions. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, he is there. And I, I almost have to... And I know this is not theologically correct, but I wonder if Jesus weeps because, you know, there's a plan and he knows the beginning and the end, and he knows what it takes to get from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, he knows Mm -hmm. what it takes to get all the way through there. I almost wonder if his heart doesn't break sometimes when, when we're praying for, say, healing for someone and the healing doesn't come. I have to wonder if he's not sitting there with his heart almost breaking because I 
I can't heal them because that's not in the master mm-hmm. plan. In yeah. other words, if it if it almost hurts him that he can't do the things that are going to make us feel better, that yeah. are going to keep us from mourning, <laughs> keep us from being sick. And I don't know, again, theologically, I don't know that that's, but, you know, Jesus wept. I mean, the shortest verse in the Bible, but a verse that tells us he had feelings. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I have to wonder maybe sometimes if if that, yes, he's there day and night, he's there every second of our day, why he doesn't do something. I think he would like to do something. Mm-hmm. He would like for things to be perfect, but they're just not. Yep. So we'll finish with that. <laughs> there you go. It's 2020. Rick Maynard is back. He's going to be taking you through the word, getting you in the word. So we challenge you. 2020, what's your plan? What's your game plan to know the word of God more? It's a beautiful thing. One thing you can do is we invite you to come along the Grace Point Daily Podcast verse by verse once a week with Rick Maynard. It'll be great. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time.